0: Tuned in to the App Show podcast with Mike Agarbo. And we've got a great program. We're all about the world of apps and mobile technology. I'm joined today by Gray Williams, and uh, we will be talking about some cool stuff. Airbus, they are developing a new system that could, uh, in emergency situations, land a commercial jet using AI and being able to communicate with the air traffic controllers. We'll also be uh, chatting about threads. That is the big news story this week. That is uh, Instagram threads. Meta's shot across the Twitter bow, so to speak. Uh, Twitter being much of a circus and a, I guess some people described as a, a dumpster fire the past uh, year. Can threads make a difference? Can they break Twitter? Can they make uh, a, an impact and, uh, and gain these followers and have them stay? We've seen other social media platforms like MySpace and and Google Plus come and go. What will make threads different? Well, we'll uh, be chatting about that. Also, we're going to be talking about end-to-end encryption on messaging platforms. You're probably already using it. You don't know. Uh, There's uh, iMessage, Android Message. uh, It's built in. But Facebook is uh, building it into their messaging app and Instagram as well. The UK government, not happy about it. They are trying to pass an online Safety Act that uh, would force these big messaging apps to give them a backdoor so they could scan for illegal activity. What does that mean to you and I? Well, you'll have to listen. Let's get started. Mike Agarbo here with Great Williams. Today we are Canada's number one radio show that's dedicated to talking about the world of apps and mobile tech. On today's program, we're going to be talking, of course, about Threads. That is the Twitter. Competitor that the Facebook and Instagram folks have come up with. And uh, we're going to tell you how they're doing and what we feel their future is. We'll also be uh, talking about the Meta Fallout uh, companies stopping advertising because of uh, news being pulled from Meta and Google. Uh, with uh, the uh, Bill C 18 being passed, uh, basically it's forcing tech giants to share advertising revenue with local news outlets and news outlets in general. Well, the big tech giants don't like that. And they're fighting back by turning their news off, they're taking their ball and going home essentially. So we're going to dive into that uh, as well. And uh, we're going to be talking about secure messaging. There's a number of different messaging apps that actually have end to end encryption. So no one can see what you're messaging including governments and as you can imagine governments don't like that so a lot of them are trying to pass laws to uh, take some of that away thanks for coming on the program gray
1: always got to be here
0: uh interesting story i want to talk about uh, first uh this is uh fascinating I, have you used that uh, that chinese uh, e-commerce website uh, shine i have yeah I used it, too, for cheap iPhone cases and, and cables and, and things like that. Uh, I've had great success with it. Have you bought much off of it?
1: Um, not a shine, but a couple of other apps. Uh, AliExpress was one. Uh, Tmoo was the new one. I've been, I've been uh, yeah. buying too many things. Too many things.
0: I know it's kind of like a, a rabbit hole. Like you start, yes. oh, I, I need that $3 cable. By the time the dust clears, you know, you're $100 in because you just keep adding crap. To your, to your basket. Well, uh, Shine. They, I guess, were trying to win hearts and minds uh, with an influencer campaign, and they invited a bunch of influencers to visit. Uh, I guess their headquarters uh, over in China and uh, take a tour of uh, some of the the factories uh, to show them how things were made. Uh, you know, basically to kind of overcome some of the negative publicity about, I guess, around cheap labor. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it it didn't really work out that well. Uh, these influencers, you know, basically got a free trip, and uh, as you can imagine, uh, you know, posted glowing reviews of Shine in the factories and how good the working conditions are. And they have been roasted <laughs> online.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: who did who didn't see this coming? The creators obviously
1: did not see this coming, but I'm kind of shocked that they didn't.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, uh, you know. As a journalist, we get invited to places on, you know, a lot of these companies' dimes. I've been invited uh, over to China uh, to to cover, you know, tech companies uh, as well. But, you know, you do have to be careful. Do you know what I mean? You don't always get the full picture.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting to look at because any factory that has to have suicide nets outside, maybe as a creator, you should take
0: a pause. Was that Foxconn? Foxconn had yeah. this. Yeah. 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 That's... <laughs> That's not uh, not good. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, you know it's interesting to watch it unfold, Gray. Uh, you know there was some interesting content, but you know the, these influencers aren't journalists. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not well, looking. I, they're not looking at it f- with a critical eye.
1: And so that's actually given rise to the the sort of new category, which is just a critical critical eye, and that's the de influencer, people who are telling you what not to buy. And so it's interesting to see there's sort of this crux right now as to whether brands should be working with smaller influencers, working with you know big influencers. Um, should they maybe just start to I don't know reengage their audience on their own? Question mark. It's a it's a wild west out there right now.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried. You know we're you know we'll be talking about this later in the program. Uh, you know Meta, who owns Facebook and Instagram and Google, uh, they're going up against the Canadian government because they don't want to share in their advertising revenue to to journalists and to news organizations. And we're, we're seeing the rise of influencers. Everyone's an influencer and all these influencers have opinions. And a lot of people are taking them as fact when they're they're merely opinions. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, like when we're looking at what people have to say about a given product, like a given service, first-hand experience tends to be things that we trust. But sometimes that first-hand experience is, do you have any actual knowledge of the field that this thing is from or the you know the subject that this is? No. So how did you learn about it? A press release. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: that sort of set the standard for our conversation here.
0: Yeah. It, you know, obviously, I guess the good thing is that, uh, you know, the world's your audience. You know what I mean? So people are going to speak up if they, they, they feel that you're not being genuine or not covering the facts correctly. Hopefully. Yeah, and,
1: and and this is a cycle that kind of goes back and forth as well, because sometimes the audience isn't informed on what the facts are. So we just see sort of this weird spin cycle of people not knowing what they're talking about, talking to people who don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I say bring back the era of the expert.
0: I, You know what I'm, I'm enjoying right now, Gray, online, uh, and especially on TikTok and Instagram Reels? These uh, people that try to expose influencers for giving out incorrect information. Like, for example... Uh, bad health information. It, it those are those are the funnest things for me to watch right now, and it's it's, like, it's uh, horrifying actually.
1: It's like a current affair or W five for the TikTok generation.
0: Exactly. Uh, on on that kind of vein of of journalism, uh, we talk a lot about AI, artificial intelligence, uh, the tools like Chat GPT that can write you an article or a blog and literally seconds. I use it a lot uh, at work now. Uh, I think they say that uh, one in five Canadians use it, which yeah. I think is a staggering amount for a tool that, you know, no one knew about like a year ago.
1: Yeah. I don't think anything in the Microsoft Office Suite has had that rapid of an adoption in the first year.
0: It's funny because my I was talking to my son about this and he was the one that, that told me that stat, you know, like literally 20% of Canadians are now using chat GPT and he thought that was too low <laughs> he thought <laughs> like it's such a valuable tool like why isn't everyone using it yet
1: well, it, I, I mean it's a little bit challenging to wrap your mind around right there's yeah. this thing or this person that doesn't actually exist that you're having a conversation with that's writing your copy for you I mean I, I, re- I think back to when you and I first met and um, I was kind of your chat GPT. <laughs>
0: yes, but in hu- in human form.
1: Yeah. And I mean, to this day, I still think that I can write faster and better than it can, but uh, I'm probably not right.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I think it can write faster. I don't know about better. You still got that maybe. Uh, I'll take, so that. I'll let, take it. <laughs> let's, let's move on to AI and, and journalism. Gizmodo is a very popular tech website. They have just published their first AI-generated story uh, from the Gizmodo bot, they call it. And... I mean, I mean, it's not hard-hitting journalism or anything. It's basically a list of Star Wars films and TV shows in order mm-hmm. that they used AI to basically generate, which they then had to correct because they weren't in the proper order. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which, is, I mean, I, I get it, because Star Wars jumps all over the place as far as release dates and then when things were supposed to happen. Um, but this kind of actually, I find this to be fascinating because what we're looking at here is essentially a ginned-up Wikipedia entry. And this I think actually is going to usher in a new era of better content online, because what AI can't do right now is offer real insight or contextual analysis that hasn't been done by somebody else yet. It's not drawing conclusions that no one else has. It's finding conclusions that other people have drawn and presenting them to you. So as an author, if you had something to say about Star Wars and how things were released, this just did most of the work for the article to get you the basis, the foundation of what you want to talk about. It's what we bring to it, right? That innovative thought, creativity, that new thing where you're like, hey, have you thought about this? This is where humans come in. This is where we make the difference. This is where actual neurons beat out
0: processors. Uh, Right now. Right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) just, just wait till uh, October. Uh, You know, I mean, so much changes. Do you you know what I mean? But it's just interesting how they, they train these tools. I saw uh, uh, another uh, article about these authors that are going after uh, ChatGPT for, I guess, copyright infringement uh, for ingesting their books without permission, because they basically asked ChatGPT to give a summary of their books. And, the only way it could do that is if it actually ingested the book. Do you know what I mean? And analyzed yeah. it. And yeah. so they're going after them for that. Like, that's, I, I don't, where does that, where will that all land? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure, sure. they've ingested millions of books <laughs> into this thing.
1: This is actually where we need to update copyright.
0: Because if we're going to I, have I know, but that horse, that horse has left the barn. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: that's okay. We yeah. can run after it and slap tax on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little late.
1: You know, I don't think it is. Because nope. at this point, almost at a microtransaction level, um, you can take a look at the traffic of any given generative chatbot and say, you guys do this much traffic, we can see where it's going, you're going to take any revenue that you generate, and it's going to go back through to a Canadian arts fund, a Canadian media fund. And you know what, we're going to do the same thing that we're doing with Google and Facebook right now, which we're going to talk about. Um, you know, tech giants think that they can actually go out and create something wonderful and innovative, but if work has been done by humans, Humans got to get paid. And so, yes, I, I'm so happy for you with your second yacht and your Uber salary, but people that actually did work for these generative chatbots need to get paid. And we can we, we, do, we can actually legislate our way around this, right? Yeah, like to these folks,
0: the government, the government is so reactionary when it comes to technology. They're always like years behind.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're dealing with this issue that Australia dealt with nearly a decade ago. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right so, so speaking of that issue, I'm going to cut you off there, Gray. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be following up on uh, that ongoing story of the Canadian government versus the tech giants when it comes to sharing their advertising with uh, news outlets. I mean, these guys are generating billions of dollars. Uh, and the, I don't think the Canadian government's wrong. They they should be sharing that with the, the content creators. <laughs> still lots to talk about on the program today. We're going to be chatting about threads, the new Twitter competitor from the folks that brought you Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we're going to be talking about encrypted messaging. It's here, but will it be here forever if governments around the world have their way about it? Let's talk about uh, kind of one of the big stories right now, the tech giants, Meta, who owns Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, Google, Uh, they, in response to the government passing legislation that would uh, force tech giants uh, to share in advertising revenues to news and media outlets, uh, Google and Meta are basically shutting off news and news feeds in response. Uh, So the governments of Canada now and some other um, big Canadian corporations like Quebec Corps have basically fired back saying, well, we're going to shut off any advertising we're doing on your platforms, which is, is not a lot. I, I looked at the number from the Canadian government, uh, Gray. It's $10 million a year, which is couch change to, to these guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is the principle of the matter. And I, th- I think actually taking a stand on this is the right thing to do. Um, you know, looking at this objectively, we've got these two companies who are making money, again, off the backs of Canadians doing the hard work. And when asked to share, not not to hand over, not to you know objectively just do what do what they do for free so that Canadians can be paid, just to share. We'd like to we like you guys are making money. We do work. We'd like you to get paid for that money. And what did they say? We're taking our ball and going home.
0: <laughs> do you know what I find funny? <laughs> um, Facebook has responded, or Meta has responded again for the listeners out there. Meta is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, basically saying. Uh, news is not uh, a big thing on their platform. So if it's not a big thing on their platform, what's the problem? Yeah.
1: At that point, it becomes, is it about control? You don't like the Canadian government asking you to cooperate with Canadian creators? You, like That bothers you? Like there, This is not a good look for Meta. It's not a good look for Google. Basically, it makes them look like the ivory tower tech giants that they are. Human beings are not involved in this conversation. We here at the Institute don't want to share the money. Come on, guys. This is ridiculous,
0: right? I I, I want to give you a quote here. This is from Nick Clegg. He's uh, met as president of Global Affairs, and he said in a statement, asking a social media company in 2023 to subsidize news publishers for content that isn't that important to our users is like asking email providers to pay the postal service because people don't send letters anymore.
1: Yeah, but people do send letters and you know what nick you actually built your platform on taking the content that you now see is unimportant and giving it to your users as a value add so if there was no value there at all you know why was it there in the first place this doesn't ring true this is the, like, honestly these are weasel words and i don't like it you know if canadians did the work canadians should get paid meta knows that google knows that they just don't want it and that to me is not good enough
0: Well, again, you know, we've talked about this. The same thing happened down in Australia. Somehow they've figured out a way to work together down there. But I I imagine a lot of governments around the world are looking at this uh, closely. Uh, I know Elizabeth Warren, uh, Democrat down in the US, uh, basically is, uh, you know, in so many words saying uh, this is something that uh, the US government should be doing uh, as well. But, you know, it's challenging. Um, Yes, Google and Facebook, they, they drive, I think, like 80% of uh, the traffic coming to a lot of these these sites. So it's it's kind of a, a must-have for them. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, look at it this way. Um, you know, As Canadians, we can do our part here by going back to typing in the URL of the news site that we want to visit and actually checking that page instead of typing it into Google or checking our Facebook feed. <laughs> it's not a hard thing to do. And actually go and talk look at those local sources because really what we're doing right now is we're kind of handing off responsibility of our ingestion of news about our country to a corporation that ha- that says to us has no vested interest in canadian news doesn't that seem like a bad idea i think it is a bad idea
0: it it's all about the money great you know if you look at the stats again uh you know and i've if- I've seen uh, some of these. Uh, 80% of the advertising revenue in Canada goes to Google and Meta. 80%. Like So,
1: I think we need more Canadian advertisers to follow on, right? And say, you know, maybe we're not gonna advertise with the social networks anymore. Take a look around and see who else you can advertise with because there are plenty of eyeballs out there and there are plenty of places where we, we can put those eyeballs. Marketing agencies can get more creative stop giving the money to Google, stop giving the money to Meta, let's have Canadians talking (laughs) to Canadians.
0: Most of these big corporations, Gray, are owned by Americans, (laughs) do you know what I mean?
1: So, so, you know what, honestly, Canadian government, good on you for cutting off the tap, like turning it off, other Canadian advertisers, here's your challenge. Will you stand up for us, will you stand up for Canadian news, will you stand up for the sovereignty of our information, or do you just want to keep, you know, lining the pockets of the folks down at uh, Meta and Google?
0: Yeah, you know, there's similar situation kind of on the on the media front, like, uh, you know, the Canadian government uh, makes Canadian broadcasters, and, and it looks like they're going after the streamers now, like the Netflixes and Amazons pay into a, a Canadian media fund to help create Canadian content like TV shows and, and films. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got half a dozen scripts that I'd love to get produced. So <laughs> if we can get that tack going, absolutely. Jobs galore.
0: Okay, we still have a lot to talk about on today's uh, app show. Uh, we are going to be going through uh, encrypted messaging. I, d- I don't think you know everyone cares about it. There are people that you know it is important to. I know you love that uh, having that feature in the messaging programs uh, you use. Uh, but there's a lot of governments that are not happy about it. They are going to try to legislate that uh, these messaging apps you know, open up uh, the encryption so that they can actually look in on people's uh, messages. So we're going to dive into that a bit. And of course, we are going to be talking about Threads, which is kind of the big tech news story this week. Can they take on Twitter? Can they make a dent? Well, they've already got tens of millions of people signed up, so maybe they've got a shot. Mike Agarbo here with uh, Gray Williams. It's time to talk Threads. This is uh, the latest social media messaging platform from Meta. It's uh, called Instagram Threads and it's a microblogging app designed to compete against Twitter. I think uh, the Meta folks saw an opportunity with the the circus, the dumpster fire that is Twitter right now to to get into this this space. Since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, I think for 44 billion dollars he's cut I think the majority of the staff he's trying to monetize it by charging users for the blue check mark uh, so that they're doing air quotes verified uh, (laughs) users Uh, they want to charge people to read uh, you know tweets now as well I think um, what's the latest on that gray you can only read 600 tweets before a a paywall comes up I don't read that many tweets in in a day but uh, I guess maybe for some that might be uh, something so Threads launched on July sixth. It's from Meta. It's uh, branded under Instagram, and already uh, within a few days, they were up to thirty million people that have signed up. Is that surprising to you? Not in the slightest. I um,
1: mean you know, having been in the Twitter Twitter sphere for a very, very, very long time, you know, I was tweeting back when you used to tweet using a, a text message. Um, they, the absolute destruction of the platform has been. Kind of horrific to watch. Um, you know, Twitter wasn't always a great place for for good conversations, depending on the topic. But you know, there was there's a very active community um, in Toronto and in Vancouver where people help each other, and so I loved the community that was there. And uh, it's a smoking crater now. You know, Mastodon kind of has sort of that kind of rose and fell in a couple of days. Um, Blue Sky is kind of still doing its thing, and here we have uh, you know, Zuck and Company doing the thing that they do which is copying somebody else and finding success. Um, I mean, Elon pretty much, he, he sees defeat from the jaws of victory here, so well done. Um, maybe, I don't know, stick to like sharing the patents. That, that one worked out well. Running a, a Twitter style company, not doing so well. The kitchen sink I think was probably a poor choice. He showed up at the, at the Twitter headquarters. I think it was like, let that sink in was kind of the joke. And it was like, uh, you're kind of taking a kitchen sink approach here, man, which is everything you're doing is wrong. So threads, though, man, you know what's on my, my wish list for Christmas this year? What? For Instagram to be broken up out of Facebook so I can actually love using the app.
0: Well, I can I tell you something? I find it interesting because they've got different brands, right? They've got Facebook. Yeah. They've got Instagram. They've got WhatsApp. Uh, they chose Instagram to kind of give it that seal of approval. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I and I get why, right? Because Facebook is still tarnished from the Cambridge Analytica scandal and you know, uh, giving up people's uh, user data and, and and private information. But Instagram still got it's got some good mojo behind it. Do you know what I mean? It, I, I think it's for the most part been able to kind of dodge, um, you know, the challenges that Facebook has had.
1: Yeah, Facebook is kind of the place where people go to fight. <laughs> Instagram is the place where you go to buy things. Um, it's that sort of my experience with it, anyway. Um, I, I don't know. I just I feel happier on Instagram as an app. Facebook, I'm always like, oh, okay, so the she's about to drop here. Like that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna fight. You know, like it's just I don't know. The color scheme, the layout, everything about it sets me on edge. Whereas Instagram, I'm like, I'm comfortable here. It's great. So looking at threads, you know, being able to import my my Instagram account, being able to take a look at some of my followers and and follow them. Um, yeah, it's it's a good experience so far, and a hundred percent less Elon weirdness. That's that's a selling feature for me.
0: Well, if if you look at some of the numbers behind Instagram, you can see why they're off to a half decent start. Uh, like I said, they've had you know over thirty million people sign up within you know three three or four days. Uh, but look at Instagram; they've got over two billion active users on Instagram each month. Two point three five billion. Sorry on a daily basis, uh, half a billion people are using Instagram. So by launching this, you can actually just get it through the Instagram app. It is a separate app, but you can sign up and it's using your Instagram account essentially. Yeah. And so it's it's an easy sign up and it then uh, takes into account all the people that you're connected with. So out of the box, it's got this huge content pool. You're engaged right away with your your user base or your or sorry your your friend group and i think that's been a challenge for some of the other startups like the mastodons of the world and uh, the new one blue sky like that is a, a a huge hill to climb if you don't have that kind of clout that instagram has
1: and it also takes some of the best features of blue sky mastodon sort of the access to the fediverse this sort of segmented approach to social network moderating where basically you can join a community and that community is responsible for moderating itself. Um, this is, like, for, for Meta, this is the right way to do it because they could not figure out how to meta, how to moderate things on Facebook um, and suffered because of it, right? And so if, you, if you've if got the Fedverse handling this, your community is handling your moderation. Don't bother us. You don't like it, join another one. This is the smart way to do it. It, it gets them off the hook.
0: And you've used it, have you? I have, yeah, I've got it open right now. Okay, and so for you, like, how, does it feel much different than Twitter? This is Twitter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they it's Twitter if you're new Nazis, it's it's just it's, it's Twitter. <laughs> they didn't reinvent reinvent the wheel.
1: No, and it's honestly like it's it's responsive. Um, Currently, right now, it's it's in dark mode, so it looks quite nice. Um, Everything's right at your fingertips. Where where Twitter, at some point, started to obfuscate where some of the interface features were because I think they wanted to sell you Twitter Blue. Everything's front and center with Threads. I like this is me. I am not endorsing a product from Meta, but I like this app.
0: So, how does Threads not become the next MySpace? Which is uh, a failed social media site that uh, Fox bought back in I think twenty ten. It was like a big Facebook competitor, and once they bought it, they died.
1: I, I think the big one is that, like a couple of things. One, keep Mark out of the advertising. Like the guy cannot sell to a younger generation to save his life. Um, keep him out of it. Uh, let the Instagram folks run it. Right? They they seem that they seem to understand their audience, and I think they get what Twitter was trying to do. You know. There were good hyperlocal conversations. There were good big issue conversations that were happening there. When they did have some some moderation tools in place, we actually saw conversations that were productive, and you did see things like the, the number of trolls and and the quantity uh, of what it was that they were doing went down. With the federated approach, basically, if there is a troll there, you know the moderators of, of that federated server can deal with it. And if you don't like it, you can go find another server. It's a, it's the right way to handle it. So. You know, I think the core here, this was all a strategy that Twitter had, right? They they had the strategies to deal with these issues. And when Elon came in, he basically pulled the plug, cut it out at the knees, and took Twitter down a road where none of the progress and none of the advancement that they were making actually got to happen. It seems like Instagram and threads, they, they picked up that playbook and went, looks like you're not using this. We'll just go and make money. Sound
0: good? So, okay, money. always comes down to money. Twitter, one of their challenges is they have struggled to to monetize that platform. They've got a couple hundred million um, active users from what I understand. And, uh, you know, that's been Elon Musk's struggle to make money with the platform. He's trying to do it through subscriptions. Uh, You know, advertising is another way, but he's kind of pissed off all the <laughs> the advertisers. So, uh, you know, I don't know where that's all headed. So, okay, let's look at threats. Is it going to be able to generate meaningful incremental revenue for Meta, for Instagram? Or will it steal some of the pie away from the existing ad revenue coming into those platforms?
1: I mean, looking at this, the data that they're going to get from users, you know, Interacting on threads is going to add value to the customer data that they already have. So that's already a win. Um, personally, I can only speak here from my own experience with Instagram. If the ads are anything like they are on Instagram, I could probably fund this myself. I am an absolute sucker for an Instagram ad, and I wish I wasn't. But they do an, a remarkable job of figuring out what I didn't know that I wanted.
0: Okay, I'm going to talk, I'm going to mention another platform that seemed to be doing okay Google. Was it Google Plus? I can't even remember the name anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's Google Wave and Google plus, And they were yep. both kind of, yeah, they, they, both, they both got Googs.
0: But Google Plus, I mean, they had Google behind it,
1: right? Yeah, it turns out that like when people are looking for perhaps like a new chair, they don't necessarily need to tweet about it on or, you know, plus about it, I guess, um, on the Maps app. It just, it didn't really seem to have a reason to be. Yeah, you know, we already had stuff that did it. Um, it was kind of clunky and very, I don't know, Googleified. You know, it just it, it, it you know what, it it felt like it felt like someone's end of term project at university. It was great. I just don't know why I'd use it. I've got these things over here that are more connected to other stuff that I do. And you know, that's that's one of the few things where I looked at it and went, Google killed a product. And I went, right.
0: The yeah, but so I, I just want to get... Okay, so much. Okay, I can't even still explain what Google Plus was, but they shut it down in 2019. It was supposed to compete against Facebook and, and, and these other places, but they had a similar trajectory. They had, uh, I think in 2011, uh, you know, 40 million users. At the end of uh, 2011, uh, that went up to 90 million. They say by 2013, they had approximately half a billion monthly active users using the social layer by interacting with Google Plus's enhanced properties like Gmail. I don't know what that means. Like, you know, maybe they were threading that in through Gmail and some of the other stuff like YouTube comments and that, but yeah. they, they had tens of millions of people using that, it.
1: That was exactly it. So they, it was basically looking at things like YouTube comments, um, comments on maps, reviews. So all of those were interactions and could like Google Plus could have soldiered on but realistically speaking, the people that were commenting on YouTube um, and the people that were commenting on Maps, they're not the same audience. They're not, they're not, the, they're not similar. And trying to, t- trying to draw them together wasn't successful.
0: Well, it's interesting. Again, I'm just bringing up Google+, Plus because there could be similar lessons learned here. Uh, they did um, a study on the average amount of time spent by users on Google+, Plus site. Uh, in January of 2012. And it um, basically was 3.3 minutes compared to Facebook, which was 7.5, hours. So it's one thing to (laughs) sign up all these subscribers, uh, you know, threads is well on its way. I mean, after a few days, they've got over 30 million, but it, it comes down to the engagement, right? Like how sticky it is, how much are people using it?
1: Yeah. And I was bored on Google plus, but you, you,
0: you, you don't think you're going to be bored on threads? But you're a I, Twitter th- user. Th- like, you like Twitter, so...
1: I've already had more interactivity on threads in a day than I did in my entire time on Google+. Plus. We good.
0: Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. We're going to talk about encrypted message messaging. Uh, end-to-end encryption. Uh, there is a number of uh, messaging apps out there that do this. Essentially... Uh, What it means is that on both sides of uh, the message, if I send a message to Gray on one of these platforms, uh, it's encrypted both ways. We're the only ones that can see it. And so WhatsApp, iMessage, Android messages, and Signal all use this super secure system. And these have become very, very popular. And uh, even uh, Zuckerberg over at Meta has said that Uh, their Facebook Messenger app and Instagram messaging app would move to -to end-to-end encryption. And they've been working on this, uh, I I guess, for four years now. And they are saying by the end of 2023, uh, that's where they uh, want to to be. But uh, they're on a, I guess, a collision course, as some have uh, said, with the UK government over uh, a new law that they want to pass that would outlaw the technology. They want to have a backdoor to these messaging platforms. And they're not, they're not alone. Other countries like Canada and the United States, as you can imagine, pretty well, well every country, wants to be able to have access, if necessary, to people's messages to scan for what they call illegal activity. What are your thoughts, Gray? Uh, so this is, this is
1: a fascinating thing, because we've seen this happen before. right? There was a Canadian company, once upon a time, that did not fear the release of the iPhone. That company was BlackBerry, and BlackBerry was famous because they did have end-to-end encryption through their BlackBerry enterprise servers. India said, you're not in India unless we can read those messages. And we all thought for just a bright, shining moment that Canada was going to stand up for privacy and not give in.
0: I think money talks, Gray. (laughs) Are you stupid? (laughs) So they caved on that. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm idealistic. So here's the thing. Um, you no know, governments are saying, we have to be able to read these messages. All I'm picturing in my, in my head right now is like a stodgy old MI6 agent going, well, I have to be able to you, listen in on this conversation. Okay, I get it. You guys really want this. Not happening, right? You're going to try to legislate it. This is going to be a code arms race. It's a waste of everyone's time. You know what? Text messages are not the only indicator of illegal activity. <laughs> it's ancillary to it. Lots of other stuff is happening. Go do the police work. Go do the spy work. You don't but need they, to read
0: everybody's messages. They they say, so this is a part of uh, United Kingdom's uh, online safety bill, uh, where they want some type of backdoor to, be, to allow messages to be scanned for legal materials. They say that if police officers can't ask Facebook and Instagram for the content of people's messages, they're going to lose out on... Uh, a critical source of evidence that they say regularly use to go after criminals or terrorists.
1: Yes, you're gonna lose that. Congratulations. Go do more police work. Right. That, I'm well, sorry. that's yeah. how this works.
0: You know. What, you, and you know. What? <laughs> is there? Is there like a? Is there a, Is there a fine line here, though, Greg? Because on on one side, I can see that this would be invaluable <laughs> to police, but you know, my democratic side and privacy side says this is a slippery slope.
1: There is no fine line. I'll tell you for why. You put a backdoor in that's operable by police services around the world. Every hacking organization around the world will have that. Everyone, and then some. No. Be selling it on Etsy. No. Yes. (laughs) Selling on Etsy. Like, like, think of it this way. You know, and with respect to our folks in law enforcement, how many times have cases been thrown out because they didn't get their their uh, speed gun um, calibrated? Yeah. Right. And we're going to trust folks who have so much more on their plate to make sure that they do not divulge the nature of a backdoor into the most secure operating systems on the the planet? No, no, absolutely not. So, you know what? You're going to lose access to messaging. I'm sorry. That's a thing. Other things are happening. The crime was happening before messaging,
0: right? I know, but it was easy, but great. In fairness, it was easier to intercept or I guess listen in on conversations. You know what I mean? Like, before Absolutely. we had computers, people were on the phone. They could tap phones. They could uh, intercept uh, mail and and look yeah. at mail, like so physical mail.
1: You you still got the canary in the coal mine on this one. You think that you know subject A is talking to subject B. You can check the cell towers to see where the messages going in and out of these devices at that time. Are they receiving a synchronized uh, message stream? Yes, they there they're talking to each other. Great. Now let's go find a way to find out what they're saying. Right. I can't read their messages just like I can't open the mail. <laughs> well,
0: so, it's, in, it's, it's interesting because uh, then, you know, there's the whole thing about child safety online uh, and, you know, child pornography and, and things like that. You know, they, they say that, you know, it, it, the police need to have access to, to do that. But, uh, you know, I don't know if people know this, but a, a lot of these tech companies actually have uh, a system in place to scan messages for that kind of stuff.
1: T-SAM, yeah. And here, here's the thing, it, those messages are encrypted. You know what's not encrypted? The bank pa- bank transfer payments. <laughs> People are paying for this stuff, you can nail them through any number of means. And here's the thing, we don't need to subject law enforcement to that stuff as they're doing the investigation because chances are there's, there's good information around what's going on. Folks get traumatized by having to deal with these investigations. Follow the money.
0: Well, we'll be following the story just to see if uh, the UK government uh, gets their way and if they can force big companies like Facebook and Instagram to stop in their development of uh, encrypted messaging apps. Okay, I want to give a shout out to our sister program. It's called Get Connected Radio. It's on every Saturday across the Course Radio Network. And, of course, it's podcasts like The App Show that you're listening to as well. You can go to your favorite uh, podcasting sites like Spotify and Apple to uh, subscribe and download uh, our, our podcasts. On uh, this week's program on Get Connected, we're doing a deep dive into robotics. We're talking with a really fascinating Canadian uh, fascinating Canadian company, called sanctuary ai and they're developing the next generation of general purpose robots robots that are more human they've got legs they've got hands like us that work and using ai and software to get it all working together so it's a fascinating talk with philip smith from sanctuary ai so i encourage you to tune in I want to thank gray and all the rest of the folks that helped put the program together we'll see you again next time